You're listening to the First Baptist Rockdale Sunday Sermons Podcast. First Baptist Rockdale is a church dedicated to making disciples who make disciples. We hope you enjoy this week's message. I hope my mic is on. I, yeah, I think it is. So this morning I'm going to be preaching on Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. You that have been here for this summer know that we've been working our way through Ecclesiastes, and Matt has worked his way up to Ecclesiastes 9. I'm going to be preaching verses 1 through 12 this morning, and then next week another guy is going to be up here and preach from verse 13 all the way through chapter 10. So I've got a short bit comparatively. And I appreciate Matt giving me the opportunity to speak this morning. You know, it's a very serious matter to turn over your pulpit to somebody. And I take that matter seriously. Hi, Matt. I hope you're watching. Uh, I feel a responsibility and an obligation to Matt, to all of you, and most of all, to God. Have any of you felt God leading you to do something, leading you to go in a particular direction, but then prompting you to go in a different direction? You felt prompted that, well, maybe I wasn't quite going in that right direction. I need to change direction a little bit. If that's so, then uh, you can appreciate what I'm going to say next. I've had weeks to prepare this message. Too long, really. It's probably been about two months since I knew I was going to be preaching, and I've been looking at the verses and going over them over and over again. And sometimes having too long to prepare is not a good thing. But I've spent hours preparing. (laughs) And then Friday afternoon, I started feeling something kind of in my gut that maybe I wasn't going in the right direction. Maybe I needed to change things up a little bit. And I started praying about it. Yesterday, I felt the same way, and I actually reached out to several people and asked you to pray that I would be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and that I would go in the direction that God wanted me to go. Still staying true to Ecclesiastes 9, 1 through 12, but that I would just listen to the Holy Spirit. And uh, so I asked some of you to pray. I also prayed, and the sermon you're hearing today is uh, fairly different than the sermon you would have got from Thursday. Uh, That's part of my excuse for reading some of this, but it's really just an excuse. Uh, God confirmed for me the uh, change in direction by a text I got to some, I got from someone that I'd asked to pray for me, and that person will probably realize who they are as I get through the message. Uh, you know, sometimes when you hear that, or you feel that tug and that change in direction, you don't know whether it was God's spirit or maybe the spicy meal you had had the night before. Well, I didn't have a spicy meal the night before, either on Thursday night or Friday night. And also, because of that text that I got, I'm pretty convinced that I'm going in the direction that God wanted me to go. So again, welcome to all of you here this morning. I know uh, I heard from one person that this was Skip Sunday. Since Matt wasn't here, I'm glad you didn't skip. And... uh, If you skipped, I hope you're online watching. 
please don't think I'm super spiritual or anything for saying that I felt a tug by the Holy Spirit and I'm going in a different direction because I'm certainly not. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And so if you are also a sinner saved by grace, you're a brother or a sister in the Lord. And there's no, I'm not any better than Matt or any of you. And none of you are any less than Matt or me. So just know that. If you haven't become a follower of Christ, if you haven't given your heart to Christ, I hope you'll do that before, before you leave today even. As an opening illustration, I was going to tell a story from the movie Ghost. And uh, that's what this is about. It's my second slide, and I've got about 40 of them. And I didn't want to have to renumber all of the slides, so I just thought I'd throw it up here. It was going to be a really good illustration, but because of the change in direction, I'm skipping it. So there you go. You get to see uh, Patrick Swayze and Whoopi Goldberg there from Ghost. As I said, I'm sticking with the passage from Ecclesiastes 9, 1 through 12. And Matt, if you're watching, you can breathe a sigh of relief now that I'm staying with the passage. I'm not totally going off the rails. Several of us meet with Matt every couple of weeks, and we discuss what he's going to be teaching. He kind of uses it as a way to mentor us and as a way to help refine the message a little bit, just getting other thoughts, bouncing thoughts and ideas off of people. Works really well. And uh, some of the guys gave me ideas, and I want to give them credit for those ideas today. So they're not here. Neither of them that gave me ideas are here. They, they did a skip Sunday. So hopefully you're watching online. You know who you are. You, uh, you did good. Matt sometimes asks us to come up with a, a phrase or five words, actually, five words that summarize the sermon, give us a theme to the sermon. And if you know me, you that do know me know that, uh, or if you know me well enough, you know that I can be a little bit ornery at times. You wouldn't know that by looking at me, I'm sure, Ernestine. You would never think that, would you? I'm, no. But I can be a little bit ornery at times. And uh, I like to come up with that five words. So when Matt said that he was uh, going to preach on Ecclesiastes, I quickly came up with five words for the whole book of Ecclesiastes. Encouraging words by King Solomon. And then Matt told me, he said, well, you know, we're not really positive that Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes. So I changed it. Encouraging words by Matt Higginbotham. <laughs> and one of the guys that meets in the group, Bill Whitmire, <laughs> He sometimes looks at me and he's, why do you do that? How, how do you do that? And I, so I just do it more. You know, I like to kind of poke fun at him. And so I suppose this morning the sermon could be titled Encouraging Words by John Schaefer. But instead, it is do it with your might. So I want you to just hold on to that for a moment. Do it with your might. And it comes right out of Ecclesiastes 9. We're going to get to that in a little bit.
Ecclesiastes is one of those books that you have to laugh at to keep from crying. It just goes over and over again with the same thing. The, the theme of Ecclesiastes for many people is vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Well, that doesn't sound like encouraging words, does it? <laughs> and yet, uh, you've got to laugh at it. You've got to make fun of it a little bit. And that's what I try to do. I've split the book up into several sections to try to help us work through it a little bit easier today. I said the book, just the 12 verses that I'm doing in the book. First, we'll look at the same event happens to all. Then, the living have hope. The third point is enjoy life. The fourth point is the message for the sermon, or the, the theme of the sermon, do it with your might. And then the last is man does not know his time. So we're going to walk through those five sections. Let's jump into section one. The same event happens to all. Please read along with me in your Bibles as I read verses 1 through 3, or you can read up here on the screen. But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner, and he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that, they go to the dead. The writer of Ecclesiastes tells us in the first verse there that he laid it all to heart. It's just a way of saying that he really thought about it. He contemplated it. He, he gave it a lot of thought. And after considering those verses... He concluded in verse 2 that it is the same for all. And he identified six groups of people that I'd like to present to you today. There was the righteous and the wicked, the good and the evil, the clean and the unclean, him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice, the good one and the sinner, and then he who swears an oath, and he who shuns an oath. I want you to spend just a few minutes looking at those as I continue on. Think about which term describes you. Wicked, sinner, righteous, the good one. Think about those as I continue on. In verse 3, the author of Ecclesiastes tells us, this is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. And then he ends the section by, say, by stating, and after that, they go to the dead. So whether we are righteous or wicked, whether we're clean or unclean, whether we swear oaths or shun them, we're all going to die. That may not seem like encouraging words by John Schaefer or King Solomon, 
but they should be encouraging to us for at least a few reasons. Even if the unfaithful seem to reap good rewards here on earth, the same event happens to them all. One day that will end. Even if the righteous experience harm, suffer harm here on this earth, one day that will end. They will be rewarded. And as a Christian, I can take hope in that fact that one day I will receive a reward for being righteous here on this earth, for becoming righteous. I'll get into that in just a few minutes. Let's move on then to briefly cover section two, the living have hope. Please follow along with me again as I read verses four through six. But he who is joined with all the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. Tom Constable is a retired professor from Dallas Theological Seminary. He has written a very extensive commentary on the Bible, something like 9,000 pages of commentary on the Bible. And I like to refer to that when I'm getting ready to speak or just studying. He wrote that at the time that Ecclesiastes was written, a dog was just despised. People despised dogs. They were mostly wild at the time. You didn't have little, you know, fluffy coming up and eating at your table. People despised dogs, but they revered lions. They held in great honor lions. Even so, he's saying here that it's better to be alive and dishonored than dead and honored. The living person at least is conscious and at least has hope. The dead have no hope and will soon be forgotten. So if you're hearing my voice today, one reason to be encouraged, no matter which side of that, those six points that I showed a few minutes ago, no matter which side you're on, you're living, you're hearing my voice, you have hope. You have time to still make a change. Now let's dive a little deeper into section three. Enjoy life. Once again, I'll read verses seven through nine. Go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart. For God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not your oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun. Because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. So obviously here in these couple verses, the writer is encouraging us to enjoy life. When I first read these verses, I thought about a term that I had heard years ago. It's called Christian hedonism. 
Many of you, when I say that, your ears kind of prick up Christian hedonism. Those don't seem to go together. But it's a term coined by John Piper in his 1986 book, Desiring God. According to Piper, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Just go over that again. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. And he gets that from the Westminster Catechism. Now, as soon as I say Westminster Catechism, I know some of you, especially maybe the ones that have been around a little bit longer, you say, well, Westminster Catechism, I'm, I'm Baptist. I don't follow the Westminster Catechism. Well, that's fine, because there's also this thing called Keech's Catechism. It's known as the Baptist Catechism, and it was written in 1689 by Benjamin Keach to go along with the Second London Baptist Confession. And the second question and answer in the Baptist Catechism or Keech's Catechism is the same as the first question in Westminster Catechism. All right? So even if you're Baptist, you're not off the hook when I talk about Westminster Catechism in this case. Now, if I can find in my notes where I was. Yes, the question is, what is the chief aim of man? And the answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. What is the chief aim of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. John Piper changes that just a little bit. He says man's chief end is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. So the, the thought about Christian hedonism is a thought about enjoying God, making God so central to our lives that we enjoy him. And by doing so, we thus glorify him. There's another verse in the New Testament that confirms that in case some of you are having difficulty getting your mental arms wrapped around it. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. I want to take a moment and caution everyone. This isn't a uh, name it and claim it message. There's a lot of that going around today, you all know. Far from it for this message. This isn't about speaking into existence what you want to happen. It's not about asking for more things and getting more things and thereby getting joy out of those things. God wants us to have joy, but that joy is gained by glorifying God, by enjoying God. It's kind of two sides of the same coin I wrote. We glorify God by enjoying Him, and we enjoy God when we give Him glory. Next, I want to quickly move on to section 4 in today's verses. You'll perhaps remember the title for the section 4 is the same five-word theme, 
for our message today, Do It With Your Might. Section 4 follows along very closely with Section 3, fits nicely in with it. And the first part to verse 10 is a favorite of mine. It's been a favorite of mine for many years. Let's read verse 10 now. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol, that's the grave, to which you are going. I want some participation here now. Let's read the second phrase out loud again. Do it with your might. I saw about three people's lips moving. One more time. Do it with your might. Okay. I want you to get that firmly planted in your mind. Some might consider me a um, bit of a perfectionist, and I've just lost my place, so I don't exhibit being a perfectionist sometimes. Ah, there we are. I lived in Japan for two years. When I was in Japan, I traveled around. I wanted to travel around as much as I could. I was a civilian contractor working on a military base. So even though I was on the military base, I had all the niceties of America on the base. I was a civilian, and so I tried to get away from the base and travel around as much as I could. I tried to learn some Japanese. Uh, someone yesterday, when I texted him about praying for me, asked if I could speak in tongues, and I said no, but I speak a little Japanese. So I wanted to add that in today. And uh, the favorite word that I learned when I was in Japan was ganbate. On the screen there, you see it written in three different ways, but the ganbate is just so you can learn it. Japanese people would never see it like that. The middle is ganbate. It means do your best. It carries with it the thought of exerting effort. Go for it. If you're going to do something, do it. And so that's one of my favorite words. The writer of Ecclesiastes is telling us whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. And I mentioned some might consider me a perfectionist. I'm back with my notes here. Others, uh, my wife and son for, in particular, just consider me a real pain. Uh, <laughs> you weren't supposed to smile then, Jeanette. <laughs> I usually try to do things well, and I often try to do things to the best of my ability. I, I can get down on myself or be very hard on myself if I don't try to do things as well as I can. But I think that excellence is something that we should all strive for, especially as Christians. I think in the church, excellence is something that we should strive for. That's one way that we're going to glorify God, is do it with your might. Ganbate. I mentioned earlier about being a little um, ornery at times. And I also said this sermon could be summed up with five words, do it your might. Do it with your might. Well, actually, for uh, Bill Whitmer, I hope you're watching, I can do it in one word, ganbate. So there you go, Bill. Ganbate. 
do it with your might. I hope all of you learned that word. We'll, we'll put that word in your back pocket and have it in your mind and just remember, ganbate, do it with your might. All right, that's enough for having fun. Let's move to the last section, verses 11 and 12. The title of the last section is Man Does Not Know His Time. Follow along with me once more as I read verses 11 and 12. Again, I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. At this point in my original sermon, I was going to tell another story, but I decided not to. Um, I'm going to add what I felt God leading me to add. Uh, the story illustrated that in verse 11, the first words there says, the man does not know his time. Excuse me, in verse 11, the race is not to the swift. And then the following of part of that verse is, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. You'll notice perhaps that this is very similar to what we read up in verse 3. The same event happens to all. So he reminds us again in verse 11 that the same event happens to all. Those are kind of bookends for the sermon today. Now verse 12 starts with, for man does not know his time. And those verses may not seem very encouraging to you, but still I hope they give you encouragement. And I hope they're sobering and inspiring at the same time. It's true you don't know when your time will come, you don't know when the end will come, but because of that it's very important to enjoy life you have today. Enjoy the life you have with God. Enjoy the life you have today by glorifying God. And do the best you can, ganbate, in all that you do. Glorify God. It's even more important to choose to follow God today if you've not done that before. So let me quickly review what we covered as far as the, the outline. We saw in verses 1 through 3, the same event happens to all. Then we saw that the living have hope. We saw that we are to enjoy life and then do it with your might, ganbate, and next... Uh, I mentioned that man does not know his time. That's kind of an outline of what we went over today. Back in verse 1, I mentioned how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Again, this should be an encouragement for all of us. Of course, some of us might look at this table and wonder, well, which side are we on? If you look at this table, these are four of the sets that I showed you before. If you're on the right side, you might not feel so encouraged that this life could end at any time. 
Actually, I guess it's on the left side. You might not feel so encouraged that this life could end at any time. And you might not think you have hope. You might find it difficult to enjoy life. If that's you, do you wonder, well, how do I become righteous? I'm going to walk us through that now. And I know this wasn't really a, Ecclesiastes is not really a message, or you don't get many messages out of Ecclesiastes about salvation. But I want to run through what's known as the Romans' road to salvation with us this morning. There's many different parts of it. Um, I want to run through that with us. Romans 3.10 states, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that first verse there, 3.10, none is righteous. We're wanting to see how do we become righteous. Romans 5.8 states, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is a free gift. You don't earn righteousness by what you do. It is a free gift of God. Romans 10.9 tells us, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then lastly, we'll circle back around to Romans 3 again and read verses 21 and 22. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. I would modify that to add one word. The righteousness of God is through faith or can be obtained through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. So as I close, I know I went through those very quickly, those verses. And again, the, the whole sermon wasn't really about a salvation message, but if you found yourself on the wrong side of that table a few minutes ago, I hope that these, the Romans' road to salvation maybe showed you where you can, how you can find righteousness, how you can become righteous. If you'd like to discuss more about salvation or becoming righteous, you can come up. We're going to have an invitation now. And uh, you can come up during the invitation and speak with me. You can speak with me anytime afterwards. Uh, or there's many others that can talk to you about becoming righteous, finding Christ. Thank you.